Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. This morning, we are going to continue in a conversation that we have been in really, if you think about it, really all year long. And it's this conversation behind our theme for the year, which is Kingdom Co., Right, And so if you've probably seen it on the banners out throughout the church and even on the screens, you've seen our theme for the year says Kingdom Co. And what we've established with this is that Kingdom Co., the Co stands for company. And what we've established with this thought of Kingdom Company is that we are to be a company of kingdom-minded believers living out kingdom principles and kingdom-driven lifestyles so that we would experience kingdom benefits and kingdom manifestations in our lives. And so that's what we've focused on this year, living out kingdom principles. And so throughout this year with series such as All In, with series like Follow, what we've established with this is that when it comes to living out kingdom principles, that we have to be 100% sold out to living out this kingdom lifestyle, right? To being a part of his kingdom and not the kingdom of this world. And as we've mentioned many times this year already, is kingdom is not so much about a physical location. It's about who is ruling in your life. Are you submitted to Christ and his authority, or are you submitting to the world and its authority? And as we've looked at this, the, the focus primarily this year is really been on the first half of that, the first half of what I mentioned a minute ago, that we would live out kingdom principles and be kingdom-minded. But there's a second part to that theme, to that idea, that we would experience kingdom Benefits, when we live out kingdom principles and we are kingdom-minded and we are living out these kingdom-driven lifestyles, there should be kingdom benefits that we experience. So what does this mean to experience kingdom benefits and kingdom manifestations in our lives? Well, simply put, God gives us promises in his word that when we are living out kingdom principles and submitted to the authority of Christ, that these promises we can trust in and expect to see as fruit in our lives. Let me put it this way. When we submit to Christ's authority, God gives us promises in his word that we can have faith in and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that will come to pass in our lives. And so that's what I want to focus in on today. One of these kingdom benefits, these promises that God gives us in his word that we can expect to experience if we are truly living out a kingdom-driven lifestyle. And so our key verse for today, Matthew chapter 6, Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Notice how this verse is broken down. It's in two parts, right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That lines up with what we've been talking about all year, right? Seeking his kingdom and righteousness, living out kingdom-driven principles and being kingdom Minded, but then check out the second half of the verse. All these things will be added to you. That's the benefit, right? The second half of that verse is the second part of our theme for the year, that we would experience kingdom benefits 
and manifestations in our lives. What better proof, what better proof that we are living out kingdom principles than experiencing the kingdom benefits that God sets forth in his word? What better proof? So the question is, what is all these things that Jesus tells us will be added to us? What is this kingdom benefit? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. So before we dive in, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning asking you to just open, our, open up our hearts. I know what I'm, you, the words you've given me for today is not an easy subject to talk about. But God, I know through the power of your spirit that you can work and that you would give me clarity as I deliver your word this morning, that they would understand that this is your word, not mine, and that you are working in their hearts to change them and bring about the kingdom benefits that you would ask, have them to experience in their lives. Jesus, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be at, verses 25 through 34. Before we kind of dive into these verses, I'm going to give you some context as to where we are at. So one of the things you'll hear me say time and again is understanding context of what you are studying in Scripture, it is the key to fully unlocking what that Scripture means and the ability to gain the full appreciation of that Scripture. So here in chapter 6 of Matthew, we find ourselves right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. His Sermon on the Mount runs from Matthew's chapter 5 through chapter 7. And the whole purpose of Jesus' teaching there on that mountainside, the whole purpose was to teach the crowds there and his disciples kingdom principles of living, what we've been talking about all year, right? Everything Jesus teaches during the Sermon on the Mount is focused on the topic of kingdom. Let's kind of look at this real quick. Jesus opens with, in Matthew chapter 5, with what we call the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and on and on, right? What Jesus is doing here, he's laying out kingdom principles that we are to live by, right? The keys to being kingdom-minded. And then notice how each one of those Beatitudes concludes, right? For theirs is the kingdom of God, for they shall be comforted, for they shall inherit the earth. There is a kingdom principle followed by a kingdom benefit. He's establishing this pattern, right? Right from the onset. That when we have a kingdom-minded mentality, and you're going to hear me say this a lot today, because it's really the key behind what we're talking about. When we have a kingdom-minded mentality and live out these kingdom-driven principles, then we will experience kingdom benefits. He's establishing that right from the onset, and he continues in Matthew chapter 5 that we're to be salt and light. And then he talks about the importance of righteousness, then anger, lust, loving our enemies, and on and on. All of that all of that is in chapter 5 of Matthew. And then in chapter 6, he continues, but in chapter 6, Jesus' focus shifts just a little. And his focus really turns to the condition of our heart and the focus of our hearts. He starts to talk about giving, fasting, that we're unable to worship both God and money. We can't serve two masters, right? And this is where we are picking up in and Jesus is teaching right here in verse 25. And he says this, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Notice something here. Notice how Jesus begins, the th- begins this thought, keeping in mind the context of where he's been here in chapter 6, focused on the condition of the heart, that we are not to be worried about the basic needs of life. Which brings us to a truth of Scripture that some of us may struggle with, present company included. Worry is a byproduct of the spiritual condition of our hearts. Worry, especially in these needs of everyday life, is a byproduct of the spiritual condition of our hearts. And so this is the thought that I really want to dive into today. And I know there are situations in our lives that we would consider not every day, right? Those out of the ordinary, those difficult situations, we call them trials, right? That in those situations, you may be telling yourself, okay, he's talking about the small things, the everyday things, but the big things, it's okay for me to worry about. And believe me, this is where our minds tend to go, right? It's what we tend to do. We tend to worry. But what does Scripture tell us? Scripture tells us in many places not to worry. Don't be anxious. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious for anything. And notice, there are no disclaimers. It doesn't say don't be anxious for the small stuff, but it's okay to worry about the big stuff. Or vice versa, right? Because some of us fall into this trap. We know God's bigger than cancer, than the loss of a job, than the biggest problems, right, that we can that you can think of, the biggest problems that we encounter in life. We know that God is bigger than those. And so we tend to lean on God for those situations because we can't fix those ourselves, right? So we lean into God in those moments, but then we, don't, then we spend all of our time worrying about the small stuff, the everyday problems. With the thinking that God is too busy or he doesn't care about the small stuff because we think, oh, well, he's too busy, he's handling the big stuff, I've got to worry about the small stuff and handle it myself. Because here's the deal, church. Oftentimes we think God doesn't care about the small things in our lives or he won't answer those prayers because we often fail to see God in the small, everyday moments of our lives. Let me put it this way. Oftentimes we think God doesn't care about the small details of our lives because we often fail to see God in the small, small details of our lives. We go through life and the only time we acknowledge God or even act like he exists is when there's a struggle, a major trial, we have a need, or or maybe those rare occasions when we actually pick up our Bible and dust it off and decide to read for a couple minutes. And so we go through life missing the fact that God is with us in the everyday moments of our lives. Even in the dull, boring, everyday, mundane And then we worry about those everyday small problems that come our way because we've missed God. From our job to raising kids, are we going to make it to the next event on time? Or what if my boss calls me into work this weekend and I already have plans? Right? Just small everyday problems. Whatever it is, we worry that God doesn't care about the small problems. And then we have to take care of ourselves. But Philippians 4 tells us, no, don't be anxious for anything. If we go back to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is telling us this exact same thing. Don't worry about your life, not even 
the small stuff. Look back at verse 25. As to what you'll eat or drink or what you'll wear, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? This question right here, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? This is the first of a series of questions that Jesus will ask throughout this entire discourse that begin to set up and point to the fact that when it comes to worry, it's really a question of what is the condition and the focus of your heart. Let's continue, verse 26. Look at the birds of the sky, do they, they, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather crops into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Second question, are you not much more important than they? This question right here, are you not much more important than they? It really begins to dig into this idea that we are truly, we are truly facing a heart issue. Because what Jesus is ultimately asking here, the question that Jesus poses right here is, do you not know who you are in God's eyes? That's the question. Again, this is one of those topics that's not easy to talk about. But one of the top causes of worry, anxiety, depression, suicide, all of those things that are rampant in today's society. One of the top causes of those things is identity. It's identity. What is my purpose? Who am I? Am I good enough? Does God really care about me? Does God really care about the details of my life? And we go through life day to day just struggling to make it and wondering, does God really care? And does what I do even matter? Church, listen to me. This is not what we were created for or created to do. We were never meant to carry or shoulder that burden. Walking around with that burden and worrying about whether God loves you or whether you matter to God will only weigh you down and bring you down and wear you out. What's Jesus tell us? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30 says, Come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says that burden, that burden that is weighing you down, you were never meant to carry it. Jesus says, I've got it. It's mine. I've got you. Don't worry about it. I've got you. But all too often, what happens? We take this question of identity, and rather than giving it over to God and seeing who we are in his eyes and who he's created us to be, what do we do? We try and create our own identities. We try and create our own identities by booking our schedules with as much stuff as possible with this mindset that what we accomplish will give us our identity. And then we worry whether there's enough time in the day to even get it all done. And Jesus asked in verse 27, he says, and which of you by worrying can add a single day, some translations say a single hour, to his lifespan? This question it's tied to that identity question of, are you not much more important than they? Do you not know who you are in God's eyes? It's tied to that question. 
because so many of us attach our identity to what we do and what we accomplish. And unfortunately, for most of us, that starts all the way back to when we were in school, when we were kids, right? Our identity was found in the group we hung out with, right? The cliques we were in. What we accomplished on a football field, baseball field, basketball court, volleyball court, the club we were in, right? That's where we found our identity. Whatever it was, we found our identity in the people we hung out with or the things we did. Teenagers, I'm going to speak to you for just a moment. I know there's a lot of them over here. I've seen a couple over here as well. Your identity will never be found in what you do, the people you hang out with, the people you try to look like, none of that. Your identity is found in Christ. It will always be found in Christ. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. If you live for Christ, if you spend your time in his word and in prayer and spending time with him, he will show you who he's called you to be. You don't need your friends, your parents, grandparents. Nobody can tell you who you're meant to be other than God. Seek him and his righteousness, and he will show you your identity. And so while many of us, I think many of us would like to say that we've outgrown that stage of life, right? We're no longer concerned with the cliques or being the cool kid. We're impressing other people with our accomplishments and talents. Here's the deal. Many of us still struggle with identity today. We still struggle with it, and we use our friend groups, our social status, our work accomplishments to create this identity of who we are. Nothing's changed for us, right? Nothing's changed. We still find our identity and value in the things of this world rather than in God and his kingdom. We still find it the things of this world, even to the point that the things we buy, our motive for buying those things is how will this impact what other people think of me? It's true. Think about it. If we truly didn't care what others thought, then we'd all be driving a vehicle that was the least expensive, regardless of make and model, that was best suited for our current situation. Right? What about clothes? Shoes. You can go to Walmart and buy a decent pair of clothes, you know, a nice-looking pair of clothes for 20, 30 bucks, an entire outfit, pair of shoes, same thing, right? And I get it. We want to be comfortable. We want to look nice. But does the brand really matter? Who are we trying to impress? Now, to clarify, am I saying that we shouldn't have nice things or even buy luxury brand items? Am I saying that's a bad thing? Of course not. If it's within a reasonable amount based on your income and budget, then that's fine. But when your motivator is simply to fit in or to allow the clothes you wear, the car you drive, or the things you buy to define who you are, try to influence the perception of those around you, then it's a problem. That's when it becomes a problem. Think about it. Think about this. How many of you, maybe don't raise your hand on this question. How many of you can look around the room and define somebody, what they do or who they are by the clothes they wear. How many of you have ever done that? Judged somebody simply by the clothes they wear? I know I'm guilty. You know how I know this is an issue, even within the church crowd? Because there's actually a quote from a movie. 
Most recent Spider-Man movie. If you haven't seen it, just so you know, I think I've passed the point of spoiler alerts, but spoiler alert right here. So if you're watching online and you haven't seen the new Spider-Man movie, the newest one, uh, No Way Home, you can mute it, whatever you got to do. Um, if you're in here, maybe plug your ears if you haven't seen it, but spoiler alert, I'm going to talk a little bit about that movie or one particular scene. So in this movie, in this newest Spider-Man movie, you have all three Spider-Man that's ever played in the movies recently. You have Tobey Maguire, Andrew, Gar- Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland. They all play, and they're all in this movie. So you have all three Spider-Men in this movie. And so as they're getting ready to go out for their climactic battle scene, they're in the lab, and they're planning everything together and getting everything together that they need to go fight the bad guys, right? And Andrew Garfield's character looks at Tobey Maguire's character, and he says this. He says, now, are you going to suit up, or are you going to go looking like a cool youth pastor? Are you going to suit up or go looking like a cool youth pastor? He gets associated with a youth pastor based on how he's dressed. Think about that for a minute. Granted, he's in this what we would call maybe a quote-unquote trendy outfit. So it doesn't just happen in the secular world, right? We're just as guilty as church leaders, right? We have a style we have to adhere to. And again, am I saying we shouldn't look nice or wear what's comfortable? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that we shouldn't worry about whether our clothes, what we wear, we shouldn't worry that it's going to define us or tell us who we are, tell other people who we are. What Jesus is telling us here in this passage in Matthew is don't worry about your clothes and what they say about you. God's provision is all that you need. Stop trying to impress others by providing for yourself. Look at how Jesus starts to wrap this up here in verses 28 through 33. He says, and why are you worried about clothing? Notice how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin thread for cloth. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Catch that. Not even Solomon, the richest person to ever live, could clothe himself in the splendor that God could. That God could create, and he couldn't provide in the same way that God could provide, even as the richest man on earth. Verse 30, he continues. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. You of little faith. Again, Jesus is hitting at the core of what really matters. It's the condition of our heart. All of the small details in our lives that we spend time worrying about, what we'll eat, what we'll wear, what we drive, what others think of me, issues with our kids, whatever it is, it all revolves around this. Our worry is a result of a lack of faith in God and a lack of submission in his authority in our lives. Worry is a byproduct of the spiritual condition of our hearts. Verses 31 through 33. He says, Do not worry then saying, What are we to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided to you. 
Jesus wraps all of this up by pointing to the true issue at hand. It's about seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And the benefit, all these things will be added to you. Catch that. The benefit, it's the cure for anxiety and worry. Think about that for a minute. When we seek first his kingdom, these principles that we have looked at all year long, the having a kingdom mindset and living out those kingdom principles, then the kingdom benefit we can expect to receive is the cure for worry. It's the cure for anxiety. All those things that we've talked about, what to wear, what others think, am I doing this right? Do I have a purpose? All of that goes away. We are seeking Christ and placing him first in our lives. When we're submitted to his authority and his kingdom and not the kingdom of this world. And look at how Jesus finishes us off in verse 34. He says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus wraps it up by reminding us, look, you're worried about all of these details, all of the outcomes of these small details in your lives, when all that matters is me and the moment you're in. That's all that matters. Remember what I said earlier. We often miss God in the small everyday moments of our lives. Don't miss God in the now. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus is saying, focus on me in the now and I will take care of tomorrow. Look at it, verse 34 again, but look at it from the message translation. It says, give your entire attention, entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. God's got tomorrow taken care of. We just have to focus on him in the now. Going back to what I told the teenagers earlier, your identity, those things you're always worried about with your friends and the things going on at school, trying to fit in, man, don't worry about that. Focus on God in the now. He'll take care of you tomorrow. If the band wants to come up, I'm gonna close with a, with a story. I've got a, four teenagers, but this one's about my oldest boy. He's 17. And for those of you who have teenagers in the room, you can probably relate to this. You walk into their room, the room's a mess, and you go, hey, bud, why don't you stop what you're doing, take a few minutes and clean your room. What's the reaction? Oh, why? Dude, just clean your room. Fine, I'll clean my room. Right? You know exactly where I'm going with this. You've got teenagers. So you leave, and 10, 15, 20 minutes later, you walk back in the room, see how it's going. They're still sitting there. They haven't moved. Like, dude, get up and clean your room. Fine, I'll clean my room. I think it's just an everyday, everything, everyday thing for people with teenagers, right? Maybe not even teenagers, eight-year-olds. I think they do the same thing. I've got four kids, you know, I've got a, my youngest is 11, my oldest is 17, they're all in between there, so it's constant. If one of them's not doing it, another one is. But our 17-year-old, you know, it's like, 
you watch them and you see these moments where it's just like, oh. And you're like, what do you do? You worry. You're like, he's 17. He's wanting to drive. He's wanting to get a job. And I'm like, dude, you can't even clean your room. And you worry about whether you've raised them correctly, whether you've done the right thing. You're like, man, I raised the laziest kid on the planet. You feel like, he, it's like, man, my kid's going to be worthless. <laughs> That's what you, and you worry about whether what you've done is enough. Fast forward a little bit, a couple months ago, he decides he's going to get a job. So he goes and applies and he gets a job. And he starts off at 15 hours a week, just small part-time. And I'm like, that's probably a good idea. We'll see if he even works five of those 15, based on what I've seen in my house. A couple weeks later, I'm starting to notice that he's up to 25 hours a week. Another week goes by. The next week on the schedule, he's up to 32 hours. He's working almost, he's been there for two months. He's almost got a full-time job at that point. And what I've heard from his boss is that, man, he's an incredible kid. He works hard. We want him here. We know he's going to show up. He's going to do what he's asked to do. We want him here. I did something right. All right. Go dad. Go mom. Right? All that time I spent worrying about whether what I was doing was right. As long as I was seeking God and raising my kid the way I was supposed to raise them, God had tomorrow. He had it. What did I have to worry about? Why was I worried? As long as I was raising my kid according to this instruction manual and doing what this says, why was I worried? Kids give their attitudes to parents, right? Why was I worried that was going to be who he was? Because that's what I was doing, right? I was labeling him. I was trying to tell him who he was. God had it all figured out. He's like, you've raised him. I've got it from there. You do what I ask you to do, I've got it. Seek my kingdom, I've got it. Don't worry about tomorrow, I've got it. Let's pray. God, we are just so thankful that because of the promise of your word, we don't have to worry. All these things we spend time worrying about. Reports from the doctor, financial issues, the big things. Am I going to make it on time? It's raining. Am I going to get that good parking spot? The little things, the everyday. God, you're with us. We don't need to worry. You've got it. God, my prayer for today is that who you are is revealed to every single one of us that you do care, that you're with us in every single moment. God, I know there's people in here that struggle with worry, anxiety, what tomorrow's gonna look like. 
today, I specifically want to pray for those people. That you would meet them right where they are and they would see you in every single moment. That there's no need to worry. As long as we are seeking you and your kingdom, living out the principles set forth in your word, not focused on trying to impress people, trying to make us look as try to make ourselves look better than we are. God, we have nothing to worry about because we are much more important than they. We are your masterpiece. And so we give you praise for, just simply for who you are and for loving us in the moments we're in. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.